It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, my thoughts about Falcons in preseason game two. Have we seen enough from the starters? And our long national nightmare is over. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Hitting hard as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Well, Falcons played preseason game number duh against the uh, Cincinnati Bungles on Friday night and one more preseason game to go when we got a chance to see all of the starters. And, and my first takeaway from everything was the fact that, I, and I believe it was 17 total plays that Desmond Ritter played in, he dropped back 10 times. He had nine pass attempts and he obviously had the nice run that he picked up a first down on. Um, Look again, I wanted to see Desmond Ritter throw the football around and yes, he was a little bit off. He was seven for nine in the game, but obviously London made a really nice catch. Pitts made a really good catch. B John Robinson had a good catch, but I wanted to see Desmond Ritter drop back and throw it around. Look, I've said this last week, Friday, I guess it was, I know Desmond Ritter can turn and hand it off. I know he can turn and hand it off to B. John Robinson and Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson and whatever cavalcade of running backs we have back there. And I know he can get out of the pocket and do some things with his legs as well. But I want to see him throw the football. And obviously, look, we're, if we're not going to get a chance to see him on Thursday of this week against the Steelers, you know, then I, I want to see him, you know, hucking around a little bit. And I like the fact that they threw a majority of pass plays. Now, uh, my only critique is that they didn't punch it in the end zone. They had five penalties, I believe it was, on the first drive. That was a little bit frustrating, and that's got to be cleaned up. And Arthur Smith obviously talked about that same exact thing. But, you know, again, and Arthur Smith talked about this, you know, very thing, but – Obviously, we've got to get some of those things cleaned up. And obviously, you know, again, we've talked about the idea of they need to be 67% in the red zone. You know, two out of three touchdowns when they get into the red zone. We need to be, and we should be, again, with this personnel, if we're going to have B. John Robinson and Kyle Pitts and Drake London be all of our draft picks, then we should be expect to have 67% success in the red zone as far as scoring touchdowns go. So, again, that was the only frustrating thing offensively. But, you know, again, they did some nice things on the offensive side, and obviously they moved the ball down pretty well. And, you know, again, I don't know. I know the Bungles had some of their guys in. I mean, Hendrickson was, you know, in. But, again, our, I, I liked what our first-team offense 
was able to do. And I, I, I was okay with the idea of not playing more out of our first team offense. And we'll talk about that here, you know, in just a minute, but you know, again, I'm, I'm not frustrated by, you know, the lack of playing time from our first stringers. That's just not how the NFL works, you know, anymore. Now, defensively, my only frustration was the fact that we really didn't get pressure on Trevor Simeon. You know, we had a couple of sacks later on in the game with, with our backups and things like that, but I didn't see the same kind of aggression out of our defense the way that I saw against Miami. And obviously, you know, Jake Browning was their third string quarterback that they that they put in. He did take one sack, but I didn't think by and large we did a good enough job of getting pressure on the Bungles. And look, obviously, you know, the Bungles have had some, you know, issues with their offensive line over the last couple of years, even when they were in the Super Bowl, you know, they were giving up a lot of sacks to, with Joe Burrow. Again, this is all preseason, and I understand. I just thought our defense looked a little bit different. Now, it was still Ben don't break, and, and Helms was able to create, you know, a turnover again. So I wanted to see him, what he looked like after a really good first-game performance. Could he come back and replicate that? He did. I thought he had a nice game but I just didn't think we put enough pressure on the quarterback. And look, obviously, you know, we go into this season, you know, I'm expecting this to be a Ryan Nielsen special that we're going to put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks in the regular season. So whatever happens against Pittsburgh, when we play on Thursday night, I guess it is that I'm going to be expecting to see more pressure getting to the quarterback. And that was my only thing on defense was that I didn't think we saw enough of that. Now, again, they did a nice job only giving up the 13 points. And I don't care if the game ended in a tie or who won or whatever like that. I wasn't wasn't really worried uh, about that. Um, I thought the Falcons did a nice job, you know, by and large in the run game, except for really the quarterback. I mean, really the quarterback, Jake Browning, was the only guy who really accumulated yards on the ground for the Bungles. I thought the Falcons' defense played pretty well against their running backs, not allowing them a lot of yards, you know, but again, Jake Browning is not going to play, you know, for, you know, and Joe Burrow is not going to run for 50, 60 yards, you know, in a game, but you know, that was the only thing that, you know, from a running game standpoint, I thought they did really well other than just, you know, trying to not let the quarterback make as many plays with his legs. But I thought by and large, the defense played really well. You know, it was another nice effort for the defense created a turnover. We did at least have, one sack uh, out of all of it. So again, I thought that there were some good things that that happened on the defense for us. Um, but the, my only concern is just again, we'll we'll talk about this as we get into the regular season. Just that pass rush, you know. And I wanted to see more from our defensive front, really getting after it and, and looking nasty. And I know Trevor Simeon, you know, is not Joe Burrow, but I want to see them, you know, get after it. And again, whoever plays on, you know, this final preseason game, and I don't expect to see any starters, but whoever plays, I want to see that same kind of effort that we saw out of Miami in game one. We were getting after it, creating turnovers, getting sacks, you know, all that kind of thing. And this will be a game, you know, obviously that we'll be looking at guys that are making the roster. You know, all of your bubble guys are going to play a lot in this final preseason game. So I thought it was a good effort. I thought the the Falcons did what they needed to do 
with their first string offense, other than, you know, they should have scored the touchdown to close it all out. But I thought that was fine. Um, you know, and by and large, the defense played really well. Uh, I thought they did a good job, whether it's first team, second team, whatever, not giving up many points, did create a turnover. At least we got one sack out of all of it. But it was a good, successful preseason number two. Again, I don't take too much stock into what happens in the preseason. I'm just looking for trends and playing personality and different things like that. That's what I want to see. And I thought I saw some other good things coming from the Falcons on that Friday night. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. And as we head into the NFL season, FanDuel's giving you a great opportunity and a chance to win all season long. So right now, when you go to FanDuel.com and you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you're going to get bonus bets every time that team wins during the regular season. That's right. You can pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you're going to get bonus bets for every single victory. You can use your bonus bets on point spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So what you do is you head to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Get your Super Bowl winner pick today and win all season long with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So I saw this a, a lot being chatted, you know, Look, would I have liked to have seen more from the starters? Certainly. I mean, again, but every team handles their starters differently, right? I mean, every team is going to handle – I mean, we're going to see A.A. Ron, you know, in the final preseason game. He's going to make his Jets debut and all. Every team handles their starters differently. Did we see enough out of the starters? Do we have enough confidence? Look, I, again – We've been down this road before. Yeah, well, Matt and Julio got to get on the same page. And look, if you practice well, you'll play well. I mean, that's an old football mantra and narrative that has always been true. If you practice well, you'll play well. So I'm not worried about we need to see more of Desmond Ritter throw the football around or turn in hand off just for the sake of making you feel good. You know, again, that that's the whole thing is this is all about what the fans want and what the fans have to see to feel good. But these guys are out there practicing every single day and they're getting into a rhythm and they're establishing um, 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 establishing um, what I want to say, um, synchronicity or with with guys. I mean, you know, they're getting in sync with one another. You know, they're 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 obviously, you know, they're out there every day working on things to get better. So again, I, I don't have a concern with do I want to see more or do I have to see more to feel good about what the Falcons are. Either we're going to establish ourselves right out of the gate or we're not. You know, let's face it. We don't exactly have the toughest over. It ain't like we're taking on the chefs or the bungles or, you know, one of the best teams in the NFL week one. We're going to take on the Carolina Panthers. We have a rookie quarterback that, you know, again, is what he is. I mean, he's the number one pick, and we'll see what he can do. And they have a good defense, and we know all about them, you know. But, again, we'll either line up and, you know, win come week one or we won't. And it won't be because Desmond Ritter didn't make enough plays or enough 
games snapped, you know, in the preseason or, you know, starting or whatever. Like that, that narrative, you know, is always just kind of, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just, I, when I, when I hear these things, you know, that's a fan thing. Well, you know, we need to see more out of our starters and, and they need to play longer. Well, that's not what they're going to do in the NFL. Like they're not, they're, they're not, they're not giving what the, the fans, what they want. You know, Arthur Smith is not going to trot his quarterback out there for an extended period of time and, and, and risk the idea of him getting hurt or his starters getting hurt. Again, the worst thing you can do is in preseason, see your guy go down, whatever your guy is, your guy go down and then, you know, be out an extended period of time. And these guys fear that, you know, and again, they don't hit all the time in practice anymore, right? So they don't get their body acclimated to, you know, taking a lot of hits and absorbing things and two-a-days and all this kind of stuff. I mean, the players' union has negotiated away practices. So, again, you have to work these guys in at, at your pace and not just throw them out to the wolves and, and hope for the best, you know, out of all of it. So, again, do I think the starters did enough? Yeah, I was impressed with what the starting offense did. They controlled the clock. They ate up a lot of time against the Bungles. The only thing I said, I mean, I would have liked to have seen them close the deal, you know, on it. But other than that, I, I thought they got done what they needed to get done. And if we don't see another starter play, and again, part of this will be roster bubble guys, you know, again, the Jalen Mayfields of the world. Maybe we see Matthew Bergeron, who's now – listed on the depth chart as the starting left guard. Maybe he gets some work in. But by and large, if we don't see any of our starters come this third preseason game, I'm not going to be upset with that. That's just life in the NFL. You know, every coach has their way of doing things. You know, now that we have a three-game, you know, it used to be in the old days, is that you could kind of navigate your way through a four-game preseason schedule and know exactly what was going to happen. Starters would barely play in week one. You know, there'd be a little bit more ramp up in week two. Game three was a dress rehearsal. And then game four was for everybody who needs to make the roster. Now with this three-game preseason, and again, that's all been negotiated between the owners and the players union, that there's one less preseason game, but one more regular season game. We don't have as much of a feel for what starters in the NFL are going to to do or how their schedule is going to be. Like I said, you know, Aaron is going to play on his final preseason game. This will be his first chance to play in the preseason. Again, do the Jets need to evaluate Aaron to know what they've gotten him? Of course not. That, that whole notion is ridiculous. And again, you think if he plays a quarter, that all of a sudden the magic light bulb comes on and he establishes all these connections with these guys? Of course not. Same thing with Desmond Ritter. Desmond Ritter is not suddenly going to magically kind of create this chemistry between himself and Drake London and Kyle Pitts. That all happens through practice. <clears throat> That's That happens, you know, Monday through Friday in the practices and this, that, and the other. And again, they've negotiated so many of the practices away that it's not like you get two a day. That's why those practices in Miami are so valuable. That's the thing that's valuable. The game wasn't valuable. The preseason games are valuable. Let me see what you do in practice. Let me put you in situational football, and let me see how you respond to that. 
So again, I'm I'm more impressed with what we did in our practices in the takeaway from Miami as to whether or not we've seen enough of Desmond Ritter in the preseason. That's a fan thing. You know, what I have what I personally have liked to see more, sure. I like seeing our guys. I I again, I, and I feel for people who attended the game that if you're paying full fare, you want to see more of your starters. I get that. I understand that from a fan perspective, but from a coaching perspective and an organizational perspective and all these other kinds of things, if that's the only thing that we see, we're not, we can't go into week one and start blaming, you know, the lack of chemistry on not playing enough in the preseason. That's a tired of narrative and a tired trope been used before to, to you know talk about Matt Vert, Matt and Julio not being on the same page in the preseason and yet those guys are one of the most prolific you know quarterback wide receiver duos you know in football history it's all a bunch of nonsense we've seen enough let's get to week one let's not get anybody hurt and we get to week one and let's see what we've got from there all right, as you listen in to Hitting Hard, make sure you go into whatever podcast platform that you're listening on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the show. So we thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. But let us know that you listen in five days a week to the program on whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Leave a comment for us there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Well, uh, the Braves made a move uh, today, and I'll read directly from Braves Twitter. The Braves today recalled right-handed pitcher Alan Winans to Atlanta and placed right-handed pitcher Yanni Chirinos on the 15-day injured list, backdated to August 20th with right elbow inflammation, or as it's known, a Rodney. Ooh, my arm. Ooh, my arm's broken. My arm's broken. Our long national nightmare is over for this. And and hopefully that this is obviously the last that we'll see of Yanni Chirinos. But obviously, you know, again, this has been a failed experiment. Over his last three starts, his last three starts have been five innings, four and two-thirds, four innings. He's given up 16 runs in what? Uh, 13 and two-thirds innings. And again, I will say, I don't understand. Uh, okay, I'm okay with Winans. I'd much rather see him. I'd rather see anybody. Okay? A, B, C. Anybody but Chirinos. And I don't even know why we had this experiment of pitching him so long. Look, the Tampa Bay Rays are in a pennant race, right? They're in a dogfight in the AL East with the Baltimore Orioles, right? It's a it's a slugfest, fist fight, street brawl with the Orioles right now. And they need all the pitching that they can get their hands on. And they DFA'd this guy. They said, eh, you know what? We don't need to see any more of Chirinos. And they ditched him. They're in the middle of a dog fight. We're not even in a, in a fight. 
We we can afford to him haul around. We've got the division wrapped up. Oh yeah, I, I got a few of those Phillies or the fishnets or the mutts. No, division's over. It's been over for a while now. We can afford to do some things. And again, you know, Michael Soroka down in the minors. You know, on I guess it was Saturday night, I believe. You know, four and two thirds innings, struck out nine guys, got a couple of runs. You know, his last start was like seven innings and a hit with no runs and eight strikeouts. Again, I know Michael Soroka can pitch down in the minors. I don't need to see more of Soroka down in the minors. Either he's going to figure it out up here or he's not going to figure it out up here. And we have plenty of room and plenty of time and plenty of everything else to spare, you know, when it comes to wrapping up this division. Not worried about the division. Not worried about, and again, even if we're talking about the long term, then why are we not pitching him? You know, as we're 13 and a half games up on the on the Philadelphia Phillies, not worried about all that part of it. But why waste starts out of Chirinos? Why waste after a start or two? Okay, we've seen enough. Asta lasagna, don't get any on you. Right elbow tendonitis. Rodney, ooh, my arm. Oh, my arm's broken. My arm's broken. For those on video, you, you see exactly what I'm doing. Oh, my oh my arm. Oh, my, yeah, my, my arm's broken. It's one of those kinds of deals. That Make no mistake about it. That's what that is. And, and by the way, it's the 15-day IL. I didn't even think they had 15 days anymore. I thought it was like 10-day IL. He's going to spend the next couple of weeks out. And again, I don't expect to see him again pitch for the Atlanta Braves. He's certainly not going to make a postseason start. There's no reason to keep him on the postseason roster. And again, when we get into September here, which is where, you know, this is headed toward, again, it's it's going to be a moot point for him. But we shouldn't have even wasted this many starts on him. And again, he's not keeping in ball games. And why not give those starts? I mean, again, Winans is fine. I'll, I'll I'll, I'll see Winans. Let's bring him up. Let's see what he can do. Again, I don't mind Schuster or any of these guys. I'll, I'll give these guys all the chance that they want. We've got plenty of time to play with. Like, again, there's there's still a decent amount of games to be played in this thing. Braves have played 123 games, right? So, again, we've got, what, 40 or, sorry, 39 games or what have you. You know, there's time to get some starts in and figure this thing out and figure out, again, can we establish a guy to be our fifth starter? Because God forbid, if somebody's hurt going into the playoffs, you know, again, we saw last year, you know, Freed was throwing up in a bucket and, you know, uh, Strider was coming back from the oblique and he didn't pitch well. You know, again, I want to feel more confident about a guy on the back end that if we do have somebody that's hurt, then whether it's Soroka or, you know, Winans or Schuster or somebody, anybody. But Chirinos was a guy that just, geez, I don't understand. And I know that they picked him up and they thought he could do something. But when Tampa Bay, who's in a fist fight, they're in a slugfest. They're, they're in a grab the baseball bats wrapped in barbed wire, get the chain wrapped around your fist, fight for the division. And they said, eh, you know what? We don't even need him. 
That should have been your telltale sign that eh, is this guy going to be any good? And he wasn't. And he wasn't very good for, for the Braves. So, again, our long national nightmare is over in this experiment. And the 528 ERA that he put up in, what was it, five starts for the Braves. And the funny thing is, too, the Braves actually won those games. Yeah, they won those games because because they slugged better than anybody in baseball. Right? Like, all the every pitcher is, is having a good record-wise because we slugged the daylights out of the baseball. We can be down 5 nothing, and you still don't feel like that we're behind. No matter how many runs Chirinos gives up, we don't, we don't feel like we're ever out of any kind of game because we just slugged the daylights out of it, one through nine. You know, again, we've talked about this is the deepest lineup in baseball, best lineup. Again, we know all that. We know we can slug with anybody. We've got two of the three guys that are going to be in the top one, two, three, four in the MVP race. I know all of that, but again, you're not going to mash your way. I mean, nobody mashes their way through the playoffs. You have to pitch. Nobody mashes their way through all of these playoff series. We saw that in 2003. There's no, again, Braves fans have, you know, uh, lack of memory. There's no better example of that than 2003. That's why I'm so frustrated. I'm still frustrated about that series with, with the Cubs and, you know, again, Pryor and Wood and, you know, well, they're going to happen in a short series when Sheffield goes in the tank and we don't do anything. And that's the highest run scoring team in, in Braves modern day history. The highest scoring team in modern day history for the Braves until this year. So, again, you never feel like we're out of it, but you're going to have to pitch at some point. You're going to have to pitch your way through the playoffs. You're not just going to be able to slug your way through it all. And the way starts on Chirinos is just mind-boggling and mind-blowing. Let Soroka or Winans or anybody, ABC, anybody but Chirinos pitch. Now our long national nightmare is over as he goes on, you know, the IL with, ooh, my arm. It, it, again, it, it's, it, it, it should be termed Rodney, quote-unquote. Rodney is the term for it. That all of a sudden you end up wink, wink, nudge, nudge on the IL. Oh yeah, yeah. My, he's uh, he's got uh, inflammation. Sure he does. I have inflammation. I'll tell you what it's all about. Anyway, crazy stuff. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in to whatever podcast platform that you listen on. Let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. We thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. But let us know on the comment section that you're an everyday listener five days a week to the program. We ask that a subscriber follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. It's been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.